This evening we'll be looking just at Psalm 123. Um, The bulletin uh, indicates that we'll be looking at 124 as well. That is not the case. In fact, you have a tiny little uh, outline in the order of service that you may find useful as we work through this psalm. But I'd like to read Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us. We have had more than enough contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. This is God's word. This, of course, is one of the Psalms of Ascent, which were in all likelihood um, recited, prayed uh, by the people of Israel as they would come in from the provinces uh, come in from neighboring territories into Jerusalem uh, during those uh, thrice yearly annual feasts. Now, that was a long and a hard, even a tortuous journey, a physical journey for them. But it was also a spiritual journey um, in that they were traveling to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there was the temple and there uh, heaven met earth in that holy temple. And so we too bring our needs to God who is enthroned in the heavenly Jerusalem, but also in this temple, uh, this temple of the Lord uh, which we are. And so we join them. We share many of their challenges and difficulties. And here it is an anguished prayer for help in the midst of our trouble. Help in being people who face contempt from the world around us. And this uh, psalm uh, contains that marvelous picture of prayer being like a servant who is looking to the right hand of his master. Uh, The voice of the the maidservant looking to the right hand of her mistress, praying, asking uh, for help, asking for mercy from God. I want us to look at three questions today as we look at this passage, and we're going to start at the end of the psalm and work back up, and I think it will be clear why in just a moment. But why do we pray? What is the problem that we are seeking to address, number one? And then secondly, what do we pray for in answer to this problem, this circumstance that we have? And then thirdly, where we'll spend most of the time, is how do we pray? We want to look at that that picture there of the servants looking to the hand of the Master. And may our prayers increasingly be looking to the hand, the strong right hand of God who sits enthroned on high. May our prayers be consumed with that vision of God reigning over all things for the good of His church with mercy in mind for you and me because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why do we pray, first of all? In this psalm, the circumstance is one of contempt. People will hold you too in contempt. Those who are at ease 
scorn you. Uh, those who are proud hold you in contempt. Those who are saturated with the world's mentality and mindset look at Christians as foolish, even in scornful disdain, and worse, count you as worthless. And so the psalmist recites the attitude of the people, we have had more than enough of this contempt. I can almost hear a voice in the back of my head saying, enough already of this contempt. However, as we understand um, the unfolding of Scripture as it begins in the book of Genesis, we should well expect contempt. All human history has shown, and the Scripture teaches clearly, that there is enmity between Eve and her offspring, and in particular, focusing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and Satan and his seed as well. Uh, the uh, the contempt and the hatred of Satan narrows down uh, to a laser point uh, in the contempt of Christ on the cross. And yet we are brought into Christ by faith and the ministry of the Spirit. We are brought into Christ who is both bruised and bruising. And when we switch sides at the point of our conversion and are brought into the kingdom of light, we can expect Satan to bruise us, but in our faithfulness also to bruise him. As Romans 16 puts it in one final place, God, the God of peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. I want to look at, I want you to look tonight as we work through this. The experiences you have of contempt are Satan's bruises. And your acts of faithfulness and love and prayer and adoration to God in the midst of those bruises, that's you bruising him. Those are the stakes tonight. Well, how do we often handle contempt? Oftentimes we handle contempt on a a horizontal level. We are inclined to respond to people who are contemptuous with us in ways either returning contempt for their contempt or indulging in self-pity or being so wrapped up in the pain that we are receiving that we cannot get that out of our minds. We are obsessed with that pain Or on the other hand, we may suppress it and not think about it and not deal with it. Dealing with things on a horizontal level. We could be hardened into bitterness as well, seeking revenge. And all of those things are ways that Satan would bruise us. What we are called to do here, what we are led to do in this psalm, is instead of staying horizontal to take our pain vertically to God. Why do we pray? Well, We have been harassed by the evil one. What do we do about it? What do we pray for? God's mercy in our lives. This we see in verse 3. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us. Well, what is the mercy for which we pray? There are two ways to pray for mercy. Of course, you may pray for relief from contempt. Of course, you may. 
And sometimes God grants that prayer. Sometimes we do receive the mercy of relief. But Peter, uh, as he is, uh, is unfolding the Christian life in terms of suffering and glory in his first epistle, suffering and suffering now, glory and pieces now, but lots of glory later. Suffering and glory is the theme of that book. Peter says, don't be surprised if he doesn't give you relief. In fact, he says, don't be surprised. Don't think of these trials as strange. They're not strange. You are being treated the way Jesus was. That's part of the deal when you are in Christ. So there, instead of of relief from contempt, that may come, but this is the prayer that will be answered, and that is mercy in contempt. And this is the usual pattern in Scripture. The apostles, um, Peter included, accepted their bruising as part of their life in Christ. They accepted their, they didn't just accept their bruising. Listen to this in Acts chapter 4. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy of suffering dishonor or contempt for the name, for, for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his first letter, uh, Peter is no doubt reflecting on this experience and others like it, uh, in, uh, in the scriptures that were recorded for us in Acts. Um, he is, uh, list, listen to this in, in, uh, in 1 uh, Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 13 and 14. Well, start up at verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. For if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Your prayers, your faithfulness, your joy in suffering, even in the face of Satan's attempt to bruise you, are in fact bruising him. Your joy, your faithfulness, your prayers bruise him. Pray for mercy, but don't always expect it to be a relieving of the pain. So often it is strength through that pain. Finally, then, how do you pray? How do you pray while being held in contempt? And here is that lovely picture. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. When do you stop? When he has mercy on us. Now, as we talk about servants... Probably the closest that most of us will get to this is through Masterpiece Theater. We, we many enjoyed uh, the story of Downton Abbey. Uh, another one is out uh, these days, uh, Sanditon. Get the same kind of, uh, same kind of, uh, of, of picture here. The class distinction 
is, is hard-boiled and ingrained in English society, at least it used to be. Class distinction was everything. There were nobles and there were gentlemen. There were ladies. And there were servants who knew their station. Hear those words. They knew their station. They knew where they belonged. They belonged in the kitchen. They belonged in the remote bedrooms. They belonged in the servants' clothing. And they always looked to the hand of the master or the mistress. In fact, there was, a nev- there was never a time when they did not. They were always looking to the hand of the master. I want us to look at, at three things that, um, that are I, I contained in this looking to the hand of the master. And the first thing is that of, is that of confidence. They are confident, first of all, they are submissive, and they are persistent. They are confident, submissive, and persistent. Pray with confidence. Confidence in what? Hey, it's God's house, and he knows best even when we are being scorned. As verse 1 says, lift up your eyes to him who is enthroned in heaven. Psalm 115, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Lamentations chapter 3 contains these beautiful words and the fact that God is the one who rules all things from heaven. Listen to the way Lamentations puts it. He does not willingly afflict you. That is, literally, in, in the Hebrew, he does not afflict you from the heart. He doesn't willingly do it. He doesn't do it uh, out of a sense of, oh, what can I do with you? You're just so troublesome. But I want us to look back at where this text starts, at, at chapter 3, verse 22, and I'm going to read all the way through to verse 33, and, and, and soak this in. See, the, see the, the context and the contours of the heart of faith, who knows that God is trustworthy, knows that he is strong, but also knows that he afflicts with purpose, even as he afflicted Jesus with purpose, so that there might be redemption for you and me. So he afflicts you and I with purpose, that we would grow in our love for him beyond anything else. Listen to these words. We'll sing this in just a few minutes. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How this buoys us up. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. 
Let him be filled with insults. For the, for the Lord will not cast us off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. He may hurt you. He may afflict you. But he will never harm you. Will you agree with John Newton? Listen to what he says. How unspeakably wonderful to know that all our concerns are held in hands that bled for us. All our concerns are held in hands that once bled for us. What sense do we make of this? We may relax by faith. God has you right where he wants you. You have a well-designed life. You may be going through hardship. You may be treated contemptuously, and that is hard. But God promises his compassion and his gentleness upon you because Jesus was afflicted for you. And with the benefit of hindsight, how many times have you heard, how many times have I heard, how many times have we experienced looking back at an event in our lives that was very difficult? We, we wouldn't choose to have gone through that. But looking at it from the other side as we process it by faith, we wouldn't want to have gone without it. You have a well-designed life. As you look back on those circumstances where you, um, you went through suffering, and perhaps you're going through it right now, be encouraged with this. As I, in my own life, have looked back on such experiences, I have noted with great thanks to God for the deep ministry of the Spirit that God, in those sufferings that I've gone through, and perhaps you as well, there is a subduing of a demanding heart. There is a subduing of a foot-stomping two-year-old because I'm not getting what I want. And we thank Him for the affliction and for the ministry of the Spirit as a consequence. You have a well-designed life. Besides that confidence, then, we are also uh, submissive. We are submissive. Uh, can you hear um, Mr. Bates uh, saying, announcing to the household one morning, we are going to rearrange all of the furniture in the downstairs. We're going to be moving this over here, that over there. It's not going to happen. Um, no one is going to come uh, into the house that, and just say, I'm not showing up for work today. I'm going fishing. What's all this about? There's no doubt who is the head of the house. 
And so we know the head of our house, and we know that he gives the grace to do his will and not our own in our tough circumstances. His agenda for us can be difficult, can be challenging, but we pray for the humility to accept his will and then the strength to do it. 1 Peter 4 goes on to say, Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Do you hear this? You're receiving the bruising of Satan. You're suffering. It is according to God's will. And you are entrusting um, uh, their souls uh, to a faithful creator while doing good. That's the bruising of Satan that we want to focus on here. Luke 6 tells us what to do when we're contemptuously treated. Uh, Luke chapter 6 tells us what, how we are to respond uh, when we have been uh, disdained by others. There are, there are six verbs that I want you to get out of Luke chapter 6. The six verbs are this. And each one of these um, is a bruise against Satan or a bruise on Satan. The first one is to love your enemies. They're expecting something other than love. But you love your enemies. Secondly, you do good to those who hate you. How can you serve them? What can you do to be a blessing to them? You love your enemies. You do good to those who hate you. You bless those who curse you. You respond to curses with blessing. You pray for those who abuse you. Uh, Four verbs, I'm sorry. Those four verbs. Love, um, do good, bless, and pray. And each one of them is a bruise on Satan who hates the gospel and hates how it changes us. We are confident uh, in our Lord. Uh, we are submissive uh, to him. We are following the way of our Lord Jesus, who loved his enemies, who did good to those who hated him, who blessed those who cursed him, and who prayed incessantly for those who abused him. The third thing is we pray with persistence. We are submissive. We are persistent. Uh, some years ago, um, our... Um, our, our one, one of our expert um, evening pianists was, uh, was playing something lovely on, on the piano. And uh, I don't remember the piece, but I remembered as, as he was going through it, it was beginning, uh, it was beginning to close. It was beginning to, uh, to come to an end. And uh, in those final measures, a theme was resolving. Uh, the tempo was slowing, but, and, and as he was going through that, that, that final measure... Um, he missed the last note. The piece did not resolve. I was unsettled. I, I went up to him afterward and I said, I said, Ezra, <laughs> you missed the last note and I'm dying to hear it. A piece is unresolved till it finds that last home note. I say this not to, uh, and then and then and then he answered to me. I I brushed it. I didn't strike it. All right. 
Now, the point I bring out this is to help us to see that some things don't get resolved and won't until the return of Jesus. And we see that here in our psalm. Look with me now. Um, look with me now at, uh, at verses, the, uh, verses 3, at last part of 3 and 4. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us. That's what we're asking for, the mercy of endurance. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Full stop. There is no resolution. There is no final note that makes everything fit nicely and for us to be able to drift off in the sunset never to have to be that stressful again. Well, two things are always true. This psalm, where the psalm begins and where it ends, two things are always true until all creation bows before the reigning king. Verse 1 says, God is enthroned in heaven. God rules all things. God is sovereign, we heard this morning. God is enthroned in heaven. And secondly, the way this psalm ends, the world holds his people in contempt. Your dreams may be dashed. Uh, Your longings may be unfulfilled. You may live with relentless pain. You may weary of praying. Not feeling it today, Rather do anything rather than pray. But what are you called to do here? You don't look away from the Master's hand. You keep on looking. You keep on praying. Uh, Remembering some words from John Newton again. uh, If we seem to get no good by attempting to draw near to God, we may be sure we'll get none by keeping away from Him. (laughs) So we come to him. We look to his hand every day in our weakness because we remember our station. We're the servants. He's the master. He's the one with a heart full of mercy and blessing and strength. We're just servants. So we look to him. Maybe he'll remove the suffering. But this you know, he'll be with you in it. I just want to ask you one question as we conclude here. Is there anything that you have stopped praying for? You've just given up. God's not hearing. He's not responding. He's not answering. Is there anything that you've stopped praying for? You're you're no longer looking to the hand of God. You've given up confidence in Him. You've given up depending on Him. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who suffered contempt, so that you would have, if not now, a life free of contempt, you will at least have that life full of God's merciful presence. Let us pray. Father, we, um, we want a bigger view of you. We want uh, an enlarged heart uh, to behold you as our master who is good. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would grant us as your people 
a growing and a deepening love for fellowship with you through our humble prayers. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.